It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number, boy, uh, 988? Yeah, I think that's what it is. A Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, July the 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network, including the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, our brand-new spanking podcast we got going on for the next week or so on its own special feed. I was on episode one. We've got the experts from Odyssey Sports. We've got uh, Ryan McDonough, former GM of the Suns. We've got Brian Scalabrini's on it. It's a loaded cast. There's so many people to even name. Of course, we have our Locked on NBA draft friends as well, including last Friday's guest, Raphael Barlow. Highly recommend you check it out. It's uh, both entertaining and informative, and it's a ton of fun. It's well-produced uh, by our pal Nick Angstad, who put it all together, the uh, manager of the NBA channel over at Locked On. It's really, really well done. So go and subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 today. Uh, on today's episode of Locked On Raptors, we are going to dive into the back end of the first round. And you may be thinking, Sean, the Raptors don't have a, a pick in the back end of the first round. You th- are thinking about past years where they were good. Of course, uh, there's always the possibility they could move up. They have two second round picks. They got some chips to throw out there. Maybe they, you know, package Chris Boucher in one of their picks to move up into the back end of the first to get another nice prospect to add to their pool. Who's to say? We haven't really talked a lot about that section of the draft. And Frankly, that's probably the section of the draft I am least schooled on. And so we continue a series that has been unofficially named something along the lines of Sean talks to people who are smarter than him about people in the draft. And we are joined by once again, another person smarter than me about people in the draft. He is from Premium Hoops. He has put all of his energy into having good basketball takes. So his food takes are terrible. It is Mark Schindler. Mark, how's it going? I'm really good, Sean. I appreciate you uh, having me on, man. That's uh, that's been the growing sentiment recently. Uh, I, uh, I get. I mean, that's just how things have, have worked out. It, it, it works out for the best. All my bad, uh, all my bad takes are channeled into uh, into food. Uh, everything else tends tends to go decently well with basketball. So it's a uh, it's a little monotonous, but it works out in the end. I think I get tagged. I, I'm hitting the range now. My following is growing enough where I uh, like two or three <laughs> times every single day. Um, I'll get tagged in somebody else's shitty food take. And they're like, oh, well, can't be as bad as this guy's. I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's something. So, you know, it's, it's very endearing. I appreciate it a lot. But thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, of course, man. The brand is strong. And there's yeah. nothing like, you know, as someone who has built an entire online personality around liking Terrence Ross, uh, there's nothing wrong with having your, your you niece. You sound like uh, me in middle school, man. That's, that was me in middle school. I was convinced that Terrence was going to be better than DeMar and Kyle combined. So it was like, you know, that we learn as we get older. 
Look, Terrence Ross, still uh, one of the 10 most talented basketball players of the 2020s. He just, of the 2000s, sorry. He just chose not to put it all together because it would be unfair to the rest of the league, is exactly. my party line. Um, Mark, thanks so much for being here. We're going to get into some first round guys at the back end of the first and kind of run through some names that are particularly interesting to me. Uh, and you can bring, of course, some to the table as well, because I'm sure you have different ones from the list I sent you that are intriguing to you. Um, but I, I did want to start with the talk about the top of the draft, you know, We've kind of talked ourselves blue over the last month or so about that, you know, two, three, four range in the draft and who's going to fall to the Raptors at number four. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm curious. I just want to pick your brain of the Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley trio. Who's your favorite? Who do you think would be the best fit with the Raptors at number four? Who should Raptors fans be hoping, in your opinion, falls to them with the fourth pick? Yeah, um, I mean, I like Evan Mobley the most out of those guys. I like all three a ton, but Evan Mobley mm-hmm. is somebody who I think is going to be a defensive player of the year candidate, um, probably an all-star, uh, and I think he's the clear-cut second-best player in the draft. Um, that being said, it's never as clean as that. You know, like I think a lot of people look and say, well, Jalen Green is probably going to be the best initiator out of the three. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I just think Mobley in terms of – like I, I think a lot of people look at – um, they just see Evan Mobley as a center and they're like, well, you know, why would we draft a center number two overall? And I understand where people are coming from on that, but he is mm-hmm. not just a center. Like he has the movement skills of a wing. He h- handles the ball incredibly well. He has to fill out, of course, still, but like he is a special prospect. Like he would be the number one pick in most drafts. Like he would have probably gone number one last year if he sure. were eligible uh, or he was coming in, you know, that year. Um, he's a special prospect. I think it'll end up being Suggs or Scotty Barnes. I know a lot has come out recently that, the Raptors are pretty enamored with Scotty Barnes, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. He is very much so a Raptors type player. <laughs> I personally like I, I mean, I, I wouldn't hate if the Raptors pick Scotty Barnes, but I think uh, I, I would definitely take Jalen Suggs um, yeah. because I, I don't think Jalen Green is going to fall to four. And same thing with Evan Mobley. Um, if either of those guys do, I would take them over Jalen Suggs. But sure. regardless, like I think if any of those three players end up as a Raptor, um, that is a huge win after how this season went um, for Toronto. Um, and really helps them load up the cupboards moving forward. Yeah, I am. Um, Scotty Barnes is going to be a, a thing that stresses me out a little bit going into the draft, just because, as you said, he's a very Raptorsy dude, and you could definitely sort of squint and see, oh yeah, they could teach him how to score, and all of a sudden he's this monstrous, maybe best player in the draft type of guy. I just, I'm very worried about the timeline and how long that's going to take, especially considering you've got dudes already on their second contracts. And so, you know, I would rather the more known commodity of Suggs, who also, I think, you know, there's an easier path to him becoming an even better player, right? Like he already has the multi-level scoring down in a lot of ways, whereas Scotty Barnes is a zero level scorer at this point, which is troublesome. So um glad to hear that you're, uh you know, in on the taking Suggs over Barnes at four uh, bandwagon. I'm there too. You know, I, I very much enamored with Suggs. I, I think he's such a perfect fit with the Raptors. And let me run this theory by you. I've been workshopping this theory, mostly with like close podcast pals who are on a lot um, and within sort of groups in DMs. But I'm curious, I have this theory that you know, you can talk all you want about Mobley, Green, Suggs, you know, who's going to be the best player. I kind of have the theory that whoever ends up on the Raptors among those three guys is going to end up having the best career just because it's the Raptors compared to the Rockets and the Cavs development staffs. Is that too much of a uh, the Raptors are the center of reality take or am I maybe onto something there just considering what the Raptors have done with way less vaunted talents in the past and turning them into really good players? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm interested by that. I, I don't have like a real clear-cut answer. Um, I mean, this is my first year really diving into the draft, but of course, I me mean, hmm. being around basketball, like the Raptors player development staff is is the shit. I mean, like, I'm sorry, to, <laughs> I didn't have a better way to put it. Uh, but like, I mean, if you just look at it, one thing I am curious about is obviously, you know, Masai is still up in the air. Sorry, Raptors fans, I don't mean to throw it out there. I'm sure you think about it every day. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're not really sure what's going to happen there. It's worth noting, too, um, I am going to pronounce his name wrong, so I'm not even going to say it right now. Um, but the guy who just left last week, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, was a big oh, part of the Raptors. John Malalela. Yes, yeah. was a big part yeah. of the Raptors player dev staff. My friends who are in scouting and in uh, in coaching have all spoken really highly of him and what he's done there. Yeah. Um, so now, as we've seen a lot of these guys who were a big part of the last five years of, of development, and building up this core, as a lot of them have moved on to higher positions in other organizations. Sure. I'm interested to see what that means for the Raptors. Like, I still think they're obviously a very good organization. They're going to fill those positions out. But, you know, there's always bumps and bruises when you're doing that. Um, but that being said, I mean, there is just such a massive track record. But mm-hmm. like you mentioned, it's interesting because I don't I mean, have we ever really seen them get to build up a lottery pick? Not really. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while. Yeah. Yaka so, Pirtle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still love Yaka, man. But yeah, oh, I mean, point being like I uh, I mean, we, we haven't get to, we haven't seen them get to get to do that with a, a pick this high, that kind of talent. So I think it's just kind of an unknown. I mean, you're going to trend to say like, well, it's going to be even better, but you never know. I mean, things just work out differently, but um, I'm excited for it. I I really like, I was so when the Raptors ended up getting a pick this high because especially like, I mean, a lot of my friends are in Toronto and I can't wait to come up when, uh, when my passport finally comes through because the border is actually opening uh, now in a couple of weeks. Yeah. um, Like, yeah, I'm, I think it's going to be a great fit. And uh, overall, like I, I would, I I guess I would probably lean in and say, yes, especially too, cause you have to look at it in terms of like the context. Like I know this is a really long one to answer, but like the Cavs and oh. Rockets both right now are just completely different contexts. Like, mm-hmm. so the Cavs are probably a little bit closer to being a, a competitive team, or at least they want to be, it seems like, um, mm-hmm. than where the Rockets are at. Um, so, I mean, if like, if you're looking at the Raptors right now, like I think the Raptors are presumably going to be back to being a playoff team next year, or at least fighting for that spot. Sure. Um, that's just a very different context to come up in. Uh, and I think that could end up being better, but it's again, it's a lot of stuff up in the air. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, speaking of stuff up in the air, we have no idea what's going to happen in the back part of the first round and whether the Raptors will be there. We are, that was a very clunky transition, but I did my damn I thought best. thought it worked well. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to come back in just a second and dig into some guys in the back end of the first round in the event the Toronto Raptors find themselves moving up into that range on draft night. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com, who we they've been with us for like a year now. You know all about rockauto.com. And if you haven't used them yet, you're just costing yourself money when you go to the mechanic. Uh, you guys all know, listening to this podcast, I'm a big dummy when it comes to cars. I don't know what is anything is. It's just like a collection of pieces, and I don't really understand how it all comes together. And so when the mechanic says, you need a part for your car, I just say, yes, sir, and pay the full amount. And that's stupid. You can go to rockauto.com and save a ton of money off of what you're paying for the parts that you need. Then bring it into the mechanic and say, hey, put this cheaper part in my car. And they will say, yes, sir. And you've turned the tables. Go to rockauto.com right now. They're a family business. Their website is super easy to navigate. You get to see multiple options and prices, specifications, brands for any part you might need for your car. They've got the important stuff like brake parts, the aesthetic stuff like new carpets and everything in between. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Buck? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. 
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And before we continue on here, just a reminder that the Road to the Finals is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the playoff games a little bit more this season. And tonight might be the last playoff game. Game six of the finals goes tonight. Go listen to Locked On Suns and Locked On Bucks ahead of that on the Road to the Finals with Michelob Ultra. All right, Mark, let's uh, get into what we originally brought you on the podcast for is talking about the back end of the first round and guys that might be there if the Raptors were to move up and try to snag an extra first round prospect. You know, who knows the likelihood of this? Who knows what the sort of intentions of the teams in the back end of the first round might be? I can tell you when we were doing our uh, mock draft for the Lockdown Network, both the Jazz and the Suns were very eager to trade out of the back end of the first round. Um, you know, not to say that David Locke and Brendan Clean are the GMs of those teams, but, you know, they have a pretty good plug you know, into those teams and know what they might want to do. And so that's an option. There's other teams. Who knows? Maybe the Raptors feel like they need to offer a piece like Chris Boucher or a Yuta Watanabe or something and really target a guy at the back end of the first round. Um, you know, this is maybe a stretch of a segment, but we've been talking about the draft for a month. And so we're going to take a day to do this. Um, Mark, I sent you a list of guys, uh, you know, potential dudes to talk about today. There's a lot there. Um, I'll give you the floor here, you know, back into the first round. Is there anyone in that sort of 20 to 35 ish range currently kind of being mocked right now that you're particularly intrigued by, whether it's someone I sent you uh, as a person I want to talk about or someone off the board that I did not think of anyone who really sort of captivates you and, and you think, okay, that dude is going to be a steal wherever he gets picked. Yeah, so somebody who you did not send me, actually, that I've been watching a lot of recently who I think could be an interesting fit for the Raptors. It's not a uh, it's not a sexy pick. It's not somebody who's going to have the ball, the ball in their hands a lot. Um, but somebody who I really think would help the Raptors a lot is Joel Aie out of Gonzaga. Um, okay. He's the kind of guy who I think the Raptors have really missed in some ways. Like, obviously, if you're the Raptors, you want to get somebody who's a primary initiator. Like, that's what you're hoping for with the fourth pick. Um I think Joel gives you the guy like, I, I mean, I think what I look at as the biggest struggle for the Raptors the last few years is having uh, oftentimes the fourth or fifth guy on the floor is somebody who can dribble and pass or shoot and not do the other thing. So there's sure. a lot of like uh, a lot, there's been a lot of issues with just trying to find ways to mismatch um, all of like, there's a lot of valuable players on the roster, but a lot of guys who struggle in certain scenarios. So I think sure. as well as a guy who can, you can trust to play defense both on and off the ball. He's six, five as a solid wingspan, good athlete. Um, he's a really good ball mover. Uh, it helps. Like he was really just fast tracked as a role player at Gonzaga um, mm -hmm. and knows what to do. Uh, he's a good shooter. I think he shot 39% last year. I'll be it on a little bit lower volume that you want, but um He's the kind of guy who I think maybe could even have more on tap potential running things on ball more in the NBA than he did uh, at sure. Gonzaga. Like he, I, I think that 
the Raptors really need somebody who can be a play connector that could help kind of grease the context of the offense and make it run a little smoother. Cause that has been a problem recently. Um, yeah. And he wouldn't give you, a, I mean, he, he, he isn't giving anything away on the defense end either. So like, that's the kind of guy who I would want to see targeted it. Like, let's say that's more like if they have like the 20, 28th to 30 pick, like, you know, I'd be sure. comfortable taking 25 even, but um, he's definitely a guy I would look at. And hey, he's potentially a guy. I mean, this draft is so weird. We talked last week with Raphael about how it's kind of fluid 20 through 40 even. And there's yeah. a chance he'd be there at 46, 47. But maybe they really covet him and want to move up. Maybe they package both those seconds to move to like 33 or something like that and uh, and see if they can grab him that way. But that's a, that's an interesting one. I had not thought about that. And the Gonzaga connection with Jalen Suggs is pretty fun, too, if that ends yeah. up being the pick at four. So there's that. Um, a couple other guys. So one guy I wanted to bring up, and this is a guy who originally I was pretty intrigued by sort of back in the early draft process when it was very clear the Raptors were not going to turn things around. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were in the middle of their 1-13 in 13 March, and I started looking at Tankathon a little bit more often. A guy who was originally in that top 10 quite a bit and was spoken about pretty highly on this very podcast by some guests that we had was Jaden Springer. Seems like he's dropped down a little bit. Uh, He seems like the less sexy of the two Tennessee guard prospects between him and Keon Johnson. Um, You know, I have been sort of infatuated by Springer ever since our friend Robel came on this podcast and called him tall Kyle Lowry. And (laughs) Robel is not one to use comps. He usually expressly says before he comes on the podcast, let's not do any comps. Comps are dumb. And he himself pulled out tall Kyle Lowry for Jaden Springer. And I haven't stopped thinking about it ever since. Um, you know, he's probably going to go in that sort of 20 to 25 range. It seems right now could go higher. It's all very fluid as we've talked about, but uh, what are your thoughts on Jaden Springer? Is he a guy worth potentially splurging on and maybe throwing in a couple extra assets to move up into that high twenties range to potentially snag? Definitely. Um, and I think he's a guy who I like him over Keon Johnson personally. Um, and I think that that started to trend up now and become less of a, um, less of a small take. Like I was in the minority on that originally, that has kind of started to shift recently is uh, I think Springer's getting mocked more in the lottery now, not as consistently, but he interviewed really well. I know his workouts went well. Sure. He looks more explosive. Um, he played with an ankle injury for most of this year at Tennessee. So he didn't have some of the bursts that people were expecting from him. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a real path to him becoming an on-ball creator. He's got really, really good feel for the game. The defense is already fantastic. Like he's one of the best on-ball, if not the best on-ball defender in the class. Um mm-hmm. And he's the second youngest guy in the class, if I remember correctly. It's youngest or second youngest. I don't remember how it changes with Rocco Precaution dropping out. Um, I think Josh still Primo's makes the sad. youngest. Of yeah, Josh Primo's youngest. So, so Jane is the second youngest. Um, mm-hmm. But point being, like, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I have him ranked in the top 10 right now. Um, I actually kind of love the – I mean, I'm, I'm the same as Rebel. We, we both are, like, very anti-comp. But, like, in terms <laughs> of that kind of player, like – you don't think of Kyle Lowry as this guy who is super bursty and going to blow by everybody, but he's so great at leveraging his strength and using his body to get small advantages. And that's how I view Springer. Like that's what I found impressive about him this year, even knowing he had the ankle injury, like um, he is really good at using his strength in small spaces and maneuvering that to, to find nice. And like, he's a very good interior passer, which sounds like minute, but when you're running pick and rolls and um, you have a cramp floor, it's, it's good stuff. I think he's going to be a good shooter. He already showed that a little bit at Tennessee. I, if, if there was an opportunity for Toronto to get Jaden Springer, they should do everything in their power to get him. So I think he's going to be that good. 
Yeah, I um, especially I think if by chance Mobley falls to four and they're looking for maybe another guard uh, to sort of fill out that rotation in the event Kyle Lowry leaves, which I think if they get Mobley, it's less likely he leaves, frankly. But um, that's a whole different convoluted thing we can talk about later. Uh, I think I'd like the idea of maybe trying to get back up there and get a guy like Springer. He might not be there, you know, if the sort of sentiment on him is kind of catching back on with the good interviews and he's moving back up boards after dropping a bit. This might be a bit of a pipe dream. I just really like the dude. And I uh, wanted to, any excuse to talk about him. And uh, dare I say, Jaden Springer, basketball player, Keon Johnson Hooper. <laughs> oh, uh, God. Oh, <laughs> uh, can we just say for a minute, like I last night when I like I I don't think we deserve spaces as a society. That is <laughs> this stuff is wild to me, man. Uh, like that, that that was even a conversation yesterday is uh Oh man, what a what a night for NBA Twitter. That was I'm abysmal. sorry I brought it to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I only vaguely even understand the whole origin point of it's the I think one tweet kind of started it all. We don't need to <laughs> oh, get yeah. into the meme of the day. Um, but hey, in some ways it really has crystallized basketball for me in a way I've never had it crystallized before. Um, a couple other guys here. So we mentioned, you know. We've talked about how Suggs is probably the most likely guy at number four there. And a guy who, or a couple guys, you know, Biggs, I feel like would be the target if the Raptors were going to move up into the back end of the first round after getting Jalen Suggs, for example, at four. You know, maybe this is a way they can kind of fill in that center rotation. Obviously, they'll probably go out in free agency too, but you can't have too many good bigs uh, after watching Aaron Baines play for your team for a year. So I'm curious about two guys, Isaiah Jackson and Usman Garuba. Garuba was originally mocked seemingly in that sort of late lottery, sort of in the teens range. Seems like he's dropped a little bit on board sort of consensus right now. Uh, maybe the fact that he was playing against the U.S. and got that sort of extra shine um, in the, in the tune-up for the Olympics recently, maybe that helps him because little tiny things like that seem to have great impact on the draft board. I don't really understand the oscillations in it. It's like the stock market to me, but um, <laughs> yeah. Garuba is obviously an interesting guy playing in Spain, at a high level, uh, seems to be like a really good multi-positional defender. As we've talked about on this podcast before, I believe with also Robel, may just never score in the NBA. That's a possibility. Um, we'll start with Garuba, then I have another guy I want to get to maybe after the break. But what are your thoughts on Garuba, the likelihood he might be there in the late end of the first round, and is he worth moving up for? So he's weird because he's really not a big to me in a lot of sure. ways. Like he's more of a 3-4, um, even though offensively – I mean, offensively, he's going to have to be a big in some ways. But like sure. – um, in terms of his defense, like other than Evan Mobley, he's the best defensive prospect in the class. Like he's a better defender than Scotty Barnes uh, outright, uh, in my opinion. Uh, his defensive tape is just uh, a joy to watch, like awesome rotational <laughs> defender, incredible on-ball defender. His arms go on forever, he's really strong base. Um, but like you were mentioning with Robel, like I am not sure how he's scoring in the NBA in some ways. And I am definitely a little bit lower on that for him because, mm -hmm. you know, he shot a little bit with Real Madrid, but he's pretty hesitant. Um, he has what some might call like academy brain and that he always wants the right play. He wants to make the winning play all the time, which is great. But sure. like sometimes it's like, okay, dude, we need you to make the winning play because you are yeah. the best player on the court. So we, we call this Mark Gasol syndrome up here. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very similar in some ways. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that there's enough there for touch for him to become a shooter, but he's not a great leaper. So I don't know how great he's going to be as a role man. Like he excels in the dunker spot. Um, but ultimately there just aren't a lot of avenues for him as a scorer right now. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that's going to be a work in progress for him. But in terms of looking at his baseline, like he is at worst, 
a playoff rotation player because of how good the defense is going to be. Right. And if he can become just a neutral offensive player, that's a starter on your team. Like he is yeah. going to be very good. I have him in the lottery right now. I think he's, uh, I mean, mostly just like in, in terms of pure aesthetics, watching a guy play, like I love watching mm-hmm. defense. Uh, he would fit the Raptors 100%. Um, and I think if they're like, if, if you're, if your team has avenues for looking at how they're going to develop him, offensively like i think that's going to be a huge work in progress finding ways to make that work he'll probably have to spend some time in the g league um sure. which luckily i mean the raptors don't have a problem doing that um yeah. but i would yeah i would love usman and if you can get him in like at pick 20 that's like incredible value to me yeah yeah i, I mean look I, all of this is with the caveat this is likely not going to happen you always bet against a trade yep. happening uh against it happening but um you know the raptors have some chips if they really wanted to potentially throw in you know if they figure hey we're going to be good again next year. Maybe we're fine throwing in a protected, you know, a lottery protected first for next year to potentially try to move up and get a guy we love right now in a draft that is perceived to be quite good. Um, that's totally on the table. I would think, um, you know, if they want to try to make this, their draft, their sort of new 2016 draft where they figure everything out and get all the good players and kind of go forward from there. I could totally see that being the path here. Uh, we got a few more guys I want to talk to you about sort of very different profiles of guys from very young and raw to very old and kind of polished. We'll get to that in just one second, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing right now, going down the stretch drive of the season, and your Toronto Blue Jays are in the hunt for a wild card spot, potentially even a division spot, even though they lost like 13 to 4 last night. Uh, they're still quite good, and they have like a plus thousand run differential and could very well win the AL East if they go on a run here. And if you want to bet on the Blue Jays, you probably get pretty good odds right now. And then winning the AL East, you can go to betonline.ag to do so. Before the next pitch, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on at betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Mark, a few more guys I want to run by you here to close out the show. As I said before the break, very different profiles. Let's start with the old guy, Chris Duarte, the Canadian from Oregon, who uh, I believe is older than OG Ananobi, Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent, uh, maybe Pascal Siakam. I don't know. He's, he's 24 years old. He's, uh, he's a little long in the tooth. Of course, he was quite good in the tournament this year uh, and profiles, I guess, as a pretty polished player coming in. I don't know how much more polished you can get as a prospect when you're 24 coming into the league. Um, 
I've been a little bit surprised to see him mocked in sort of the late lottery in some instances, sort of in that, you know, teens range too. feels like teams are usually pretty against the idea of getting guys that old, just because there's not a lot of runway left. But at the same time, we've seen the Raptors, for example, take older guys and have great success there and get good contributors kind of quickly. And my thinking with Duarte is the Raptors, like I said, are in the first segment. They're kind of in this weird spot where their timeline is pretty short to maximize this window with Van Vliet, Siakam, and Obi all in their second contracts. Maybe you get your, your big lottery talent, the guy who's super projectable, and you can kind of build into something that's a star at number four. And then maybe you look at Duarte as a way to fill out a rotation and have a guy who can come in and contribute pretty quickly. What are your thoughts on Duarte? Where do you have him on your board? And does he profile as a guy worth potentially trading up for? Yeah, so he's around 20 for me right now. He's been somebody sure. who uh, it's odd because he's been really divisive just because of the age. Um, yeah. And I think the best way I've had it put to me in talking to, to other scouts and people in general is, you know, um, well, you have to look at the fact like, yes, he is 24 right now, but there's a very real chance that somebody who is 18 or 19 in this draft might never even get to the level that he's at currently as a sure. prospect. Um, like he is very good. He's extremely polished. Like, I think he's a better shooting prospect right now than Corey Kispert. Like Corey mm-hmm. Kispert is a good shooter. I think Chris Duarte is a, like a great shooter. He's got versatility in a shot that Chris, that uh, Kispert just doesn't have right now. So in terms of looking at it, it's like, all right, I Chris Duarte can come off screens, step into a shot, take it. He can pull up and, and create his own threes. He can pull up and hit from mid range. He can get to the rim a little bit. Um, he's not a great passer. He's going to be a fine passer, but for the most part, you're viewing him as a guy who's going to finish plays for you. Than, sure. than try and create for anyone else. And I think the defense is intriguing too. I don't know if I love his fit with the Raptors defense because he needs to work on his closeouts a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But he has very good help instincts. He's not awesome on the ball, but um, he's, he's like, even at 6'6", like he's a guy who makes like some really good uh, contests at the rim, uh, some good weak side rim protection, which you don't really expect out of a prospect like him, but just like fun wrinkles that he has as a player. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy who I think like, if he goes lottery, I don't think it's like as catastrophic as people make it out to be like, he's a good basketball player. And you just have to look at it too. Like if he were already like 24 in the NBA, that's one thing, but the, the development curve shifts once you get to the NBA after coming out of playing D one, like, and he's had a really massive growth curve recently playing Juco just a couple of years ago um, and going to Oregon and, and becoming the player he was there. So um I like him quite a bit, and I think that he's been undersold in some ways. Um, and he's going to be a very good player. And I, I like, I, I think if the Raptors were to, let's say, like, you know, if they trade up to like 24 or something and Chris Duarte's sure. there, like, that's a fine pick, in my opinion. And it does bring up a lot. Like, so many people go in on, like, okay, well, you have to draft the best player available or you should never draft for fit. And I like, I get that in some regards, but at the same time, you have to be realistic and say, well, who is the best player available that makes sense for our team and we believe in that we can develop? And if Chris Duarte sure. is that guy because he fits the timeline better and there are more avenues for him to actually get playing time and, and help contribute, then you have to look at it that way. And um, that changes up how you view guys. Totally. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I mean, I feel like at some point teams will learn like you're getting guys, you might not have them past their you know, seventh year in the league. And, you know, who cares what the guy is at 32? He's not on your team anymore. Right. So I I think, and also like Cam Johnson's been pretty damn effective for the Suns in the playoffs. And he was like 29 when he was drafted or whatever the hell he was. (laughs) Like it's, uh, you know, I think it should be a little bit less scary, even though, yes, he's like six years older than some of the guys in this draft. Um, You know, it, it doesn't, 
it shouldn't turn you off if he's a good basketball player, because if he can come and play right away, who really cares? You're not dealing with those development years, right? Yep. Um, speaking of development years, uh, I want to talk to you about Greg Brown, who's been kind of at that late part of the first round. He could slip to the Raptors at 46, 47, depending on whether teams want to go in on him. Uh, you know, he's six, seven wing, not a very good shooter. He, I mean, apparently Texas just have all, has all the dudes this year who are like, could be amazing. Great mixtape. Could be terrible. We have no idea. Um, what are your thoughts on Greg Brown, the wing out of Texas, who, uh, again, you know, the kind of opposite of Chris Duarte, young, moldable potentially, but still so much to figure out. Um, in theory, could be a guy who you can plug into the G League system for a year or two with the Raptors and maybe turn into a player, but maybe he turns into nothing. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brown and his potential fit in Toronto? Yeah, so he's interesting to me. Um He's such a weird player to watch in some ways. Like Texas was just a weird team overall. Um, sure. Like, so Chris, I mean, not Chris, uh, for Greg Brown, just to give you an idea of where he's at right now, like he's a guy who profiles, like he's going to get drafted in my opinion. Like I think he'll be a second round guy. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think that he's going to get drafted in the first. Anything's possible, of course, but um, like he's got the, I like the idea is he's going to be a shooter who can protect the rim a little bit because he showed that at Texas. But again, the flashes are few and far between in some ways, the problem with him right now and what makes him very difficult to envision how, like, and like his biggest area for growth is just going to be any kind of passing. Like, so to give you an mm-hmm. idea, uh, a 3.8% assist percentage to a 21% turnover percentage um, is like, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's not great. Um, we call that the anti Calderon in Toronto. Yes, he had more steals than assists this year, uh, more blocks than assists this year. Like it was um, Greg Brown is not a passer yet. Uh, Like that's just like if he gets the ball, he is shooting it for the most part, which in some ways you like. But uh, there's a lot that has to be worked on with the shot to tweak it and make it there. Um, But I do think that there's an avenue for him to become a real NBA player. Um, Like, again, some 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 of the tape didn't look great. I would say the same thing about Kai Jones, like. Mm-hmm. highlights are awesome the low lights are not um he's a guy who if, if like if he falls to like 46 or 47 i love him for the raptors honestly uh because sure. he's like in some ways he's like uh definitely a, a probably a more mobile version of chris boucher like again i don't like making comps but like that's the kind of guy you have coming in he has a lot to work on in his interior game but there's the idea of okay this guy could be a shot blocker who's, who's shooting threes is mobile and can, can hang on the perimeter a little bit um, so he's somebody I'd be comfortable saying, okay, we'll, we'll draft him late and, uh, try and bowl him in the G league for a couple of years. Cause he's going to need it for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's going to, he's, he's an interesting prospect who really struggled this year in some ways, but I think he's somebody who would make a lot of sense in the second round. For what it's worth on Kevin O'Connor's big board right now, he is number 47. So, uh, could very much be in the range and the Raptors wouldn't have to trade up for him at all uh another guy uh, another big man who we can wrap up here with unless you have anyone else you'd like to throw uh in the ring is potential guys to talk about here but um i want to ask you about isaiah jackson the big man out of kentucky uh you know just a 19 year old played one year at kentucky seems to be kind of a similar sort of project big right you know how is it all going to come together uh what are your thoughts on jackson he is currently mocked late in the first round uh you know he's got a little bit higher in some cases i've seen him as high as you know the late lottery but also as low as you know the second round in some cases where are you at on isaiah jackson out of kentucky uh could he be a potential long-term fit for the raptors at the big man spot yeah so what's tough with him right now is that i just don't really like he he is a big but he is not ready to be a big in the nba um he's still pretty lean um he's interesting because like one one thing that one caveat that i think people brought up to me that that makes me think a little bit differently is 
you know, we've seen so many bigs go through Kentucky or just players in general at Kentucky who had skills hidden because of the way coach Cal coaches there. Um, So I think there's that with him. Like he's shown touch from the free throw line. He didn't really take a lot of threes at Kentucky this year, but there's like this idea. Okay. Maybe he becomes a face up big and can Mm -hmm. attack mismatches that way. But like, we just did not see a lot of it this year. I have never watched his high school tape. um, So that's something I would want to go back and, and have a better idea of too. But point being with him, like he is a guy who, profiles is an awesome shot blocker and he showed that at, at, at Kentucky but he's a guy who's gonna be very very foul prone early on sure. because he jumps at everything which in some ways it's impressive because his second jump is ridiculously quick he gets off the ground well doesn't really have to load up but also like it results in him being out of position a ton um sure. and that's stuff that you know he's gonna work on it's gonna take time but he really needs to put strength on. He really needs to find other ways to impact the game, um, especially offensively, because just becoming a, a neutral impact uh, offense player will be huge for him. But I think he'll be a good role man. Um, but just finding the ways that he's going to round out his game is going to be important. And like, it, like just talking about, you know, being somebody who's going to contribute to the team right away. Um, we're not even contribute right away, but being somebody who's going to impact this current timeline, it's good. It'll mm-hmm. take some time for him to get there. Like I personally, like if I, I don't think I would take him at like pick 20 or anything, but if you're at the very back end of the first or early second, like I like Dayron Sharp out of UNC a lot. Um, He's certainly not as athletic. He probably doesn't have the same kind of upside, but he's a really, really uh, high, uh, like high level player. He just sees the floor really well on both ends. uh, Kind of plays as a facsimile as a passing hub in some ways. Um, can play multiple pick and roll coverages. He's not a great rim protector because he's not very vertical, but uh, he's the kind of guy I would look at if I'm Toronto sure. earlier in, in the second round or something like that. Well, Mark, uh, thank you so much for sharing the knowledge. This has been awesome. I feel smarter, and I'm sure the listeners feel smarter. It's unfair that a man as good-looking as you is also as smart about <laughs> basketball as you. It's unbelievable, but we're it, very thankful to have you on. Uh, where can people check out all your awesome work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at NBA. Uh, you can find my work over at premiumhoops.org. We have a lot of great stuff cooking there and on the podcast as well. Um, I also write and, and do a lot of draft stuff over at any cornrows. And then uh, for people who are interested, I'm not forcing anybody to. I started up a Patreon recently because I'm trying to find a full-time work in basketball now that I'm done with college. And that is, sure. uh, it's an endeavor, but uh, any anything helps. And most importantly, I just appreciate people giving me opportunities like you, Sean. So thanks, man. Of course, man. Uh, hopefully we can have you back sometime as, uh, as well. You're, uh, you're very, very smart. It's, uh, it was lovely chatting with you. And uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back again uh, tomorrow. I'm not sure what tomorrow's podcast is going to be just yet. We'll see what kind of rumors float about today, and we'll dig into that. We also got PD Webb coming on the podcast, I believe, on Thursday. We're going to record that Wednesday night, so that'll be fun. We'll talk about the top of the draft with him as well. Uh, and, yeah, we'll, we'll keep you posted. It's all draft stuff from here on out, it seems, unless other stuff pops up if Masai Ujiri signs we'll obviously dig into that uh, but we appreciate you being here and uh, appreciate all the support and the listenership and all that good stuff find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean of course and uh, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors now go listen to the ultimate mock draft 2021 for picks 6 through 10 over on its own podcast feed on your favorite podcast app thanks so much we'll talk to you tomorrow bye bye Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.